man, I want to I want to pray for us. And I tell you what, I want to I want to read our text. We're going to be in Ephesians four, and uh, I encourage you to to turn there in your Bibles, Ephesians four. It's on page eight hundred and fifteen. If you're using one of our Bibles, I encourage you to take notes. Um, you know, take notes on your phone, um, not because of. You know, I just think that I have something super important to say, but, but God just speaks through his word. And there's sometimes that, that when we have the posture of, of really leaning in, of really like, hey, God, I'm here to listen and to not just sit in this chair, but to, to learn and to, to take these things and to put them um, in application to my life. There's something that God just does in that. So I encourage you to, to really lean in this morning. But this is Ephesians chapter four. It's on page 815. If you're using one of our Bibles, this is what our brother Paul writes, starting in verse 11. It says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. This is the word of the Lord from Ephesians 4. Let's pray. God, thank you for every man and woman and child here today. For the kids and the babies that are crying, Lord, I pray that your presence would meet them. That, that they would discover just the goodness of who you are from a young age and they would live for you. God, that you would fill this room um, with, a, with a divine curiosity. God, that, that for those of us who, man, we're, we're walking with you, would you keep putting um, fuel on that fire? God, for those that are, are complacent and their hearts feel hard, I pray, God, that you would stir up a divine curiosity in them this morning. I pray, God, that as we spend some time in the scriptures, listening to your word, giving priority to you and your voice and the things that you've spoken, that you would meet us here. And God, as we lean in, God, we come very humbly and we, we come with a, a teachable spirit. We want to know you more. God, we know that there's going to be a day that we're gonna stand in front of you, that we will encounter you, and we wanna be ready for that day. We wanna look forward to that day. And so as we're, as we're gathered here as your people, meet us in this space. And speak to us, God. Give us the things that we need today to bring glory and honor and praise to you. And so thank you, God, for what you're already doing. Thanks for every person that's here. Um, yeah, God, help us this morning to hear from you. In your name we pray, amen. You know, today, if, um, as our church family, this is one of the, the most important Sundays as a church family. It's like the, the Super Bowl at our church. Or like, if you're not in football, it's like Bonnaroo. Like, this is one of the, the highlights of, of, of the year for us because it's the Sunday where we invite everyone, whether this is your first time visiting with us at Ethos or whether you've been here for a long time, this is a Sunday where we invite you to step into community, to house church with us. And so our house churches are, are essentially just our small groups. It's the place where people all over the city, either in their home or in their backyard, man, they open up a space in their lives for, for, for people to gather. And, 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 we, and we study the scriptures and we pray and we eat meals together and we laugh and we encourage each other and we hold each other accountable and we push each other to really go hard after the Lord. And, 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 and what I believe that as for followers of Jesus, man, in order for us like if you're a follower of Jesus, in order for us to really thrive in this life, like in order for us to really become what, what God desires for us to become, in order for us to, to live into God's will for our lives, man, being a part of, of a small community is, 
in, in my opinion, a non-negotiable. It's absolutely essential. And we're going to talk about why today. But, but I do want to say this because, you know, I talk about small groups and I want to uh, just kind of unpack for a minute the, this reality that so often our experiences with small groups or our lack thereof, man, what we've heard about from small groups or what we believe to be true about small groups, these are incredibly influential when it comes to what we actually believe is possible in a small group and, and, the, and the purpose of a small group and, and, and essentially if, if we'll end up connecting in one. You know, I want you to think about this. Have you ever noticed how a positive experience, like think outside of church world for a minute, like a positive experience with something, how it just has this way of, of making impression on you and staying with you? And, and the same is true if, if you experience something negatively. And so here's what I mean. I'll give you a couple examples. Um, our family, one of the things that we love to do, we live a little outside the city in Mount Juliet. And uh, one of the things that we love to do, we live in this neighborhood and there's tons of hills, no sidewalks, but we love to take walks. I don't know why. It's not super smart, but we love to walk in the streets. And, and so when our kids were younger, a little bit younger than they are now, I remember this one particular day, we were going on a walk. I think Merritt might've been in a stroller. I don't exactly remember. She was real little. And uh, Finley was riding her Razor scooter. And, you know, I didn't grow up with a Razor scooter. That wasn't like my generation. I, I was like rollerblades. And so, but like for my kids, it's like all about the Razor scooters. And so, you know, we're going down these hills and, and she's doing great on it. And she sees this massive hill and she's like, I'm going for it. And we're like, awesome, do it. And so, you know, she's, she's going down this hill and about halfway down, we see her like start to get wobbly. You know that feeling? And as a parent, you're going, I just made a terrible parenting decision. And there's nothing I can do about it. Like, I'm not a cowboy. I can't lasso her back. Like, this is just going to end poorly. And so, you know, she starts wobbling. And then she goes Superman, like, over the handlebars. And she falls. And instantly she gets up and she starts running back to us. And she's crying. She's super tough. She's got this flap of skin that's just dangling from her elbow. And it was awesome. And... Um, not really, um, but we're just going, oh, we feel so terrible. And, and so we take her, she gets stitches. She's so tough. She doesn't cry at all through them. She's just this tough little girl. And, 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 and so we, you know, we keep walking, but do you know what happens when we get to that hill? <laughs> we no longer ride scooters down that hill. And, and we ride bikes down that hill, right? Cause, and skateboards sometimes, like halfway down, Jones. Yeah, well, skateboards get wobbly too, Jones. So that's exactly right. But got a heckler on the front row. But, um, you know, and so, but you realize like when something bad happens, it impacts you and, and you learn from it. And you're like, oh man, and it just has this wave of going, oh, we're not gonna do that again, right? But it's also true when you have a good experience. Man, you think about this. When, when you experience something really good, maybe it's a restaurant or maybe it's a vacation spot or maybe it's a date night spot, whatever it is that, that you go and you go, oh man, this was so fun. You know, for us, we went, we went um, indoor rock climbing last week as a family. And, you know, it was just a blast. Like the people there, we had no idea what we were doing. They, they show us what to do. They help us do it. And our kids are just flying up the wall. And, and, and our kids have been asking ever since, can we go back? Can we go back? Can we go back? And, and, and I was just thinking about the, the way that our experiences, they shape so much our, our willingness to participate in things. And, and the same is true for small groups. You know, for some of you, you know, maybe you're, you're newer to faith and you've never been in a small group. And so you're just kind of neutral to it. But others of you, I've lived enough life. You know, I've been around before I, I'm doing what I do now at Ethos. I, I led our, our small groups. And I've been around for a, a long enough to know that sometimes you get in a group and you just have a bad experience. 
man, that, that someone in there is not filled with the spirit of Jesus and they say something to you or they do something to you and, and it hurts and it wounds you and, or, or you've been a part of a group where it's just kind of like, ah, you know, we're just kind of going through the motions. We're not really getting after God's heart. And, and so often, man, we come into these spaces and our experiences really shape our expectations of what we think is possible or what we think is worth our time. Others of you, you come into space, and I know because I've been walking with you for a long time, you are geared up for house church because you've experienced, it's a new word, learn it, you've experienced the, 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 the transformative work of God in your life through community. And so today, just for a few minutes, what I have two things that I want to accomplish. The, the first is that if you've never been in a, a small group, if you've never been in a house church with us, or if you've, if you've not had an ideal experience, my, my goal today is that you'd give it another shot. And if you don't, I will never let myself down. So you need to do it, okay? Just kidding, no. But man, that that you would give it another shot, that you would consider taking a step into community. The second thing that I wanna do today is I wanna help us understand the the purpose of, of, of small, intimate, you know, we call them house churches, but small group community from a biblical understanding and help us understand why it's important for us to be a part of one. So I want to talk about the purpose of these from a biblical standpoint and why it's important for, for us to be a part of one. And so I actually want to start with the, the, the latter point, why it's important for us to be a part of one. You know, uh, let, let's dive into Ephesians 4. You know, Ephesians is a letter that was written by this man named Paul. And Paul wrote a lot of the New Testament, a lot of the scriptures. He's this man that had a, a really radical change of his life, that Jesus showed up and, and Paul gives his life to, to, to Jesus, gives his life to serving the church. And so Paul writes this letter to this really big, important, influential city um, 2,000 years ago at Ephesus. And he writes it to Christians that are scattered all over the city that, are made, that make up these small groups. And so um, where we're gonna pick up in the middle of the letter is, is he's writing in this section to help these Christians understand um, who they are and the part they were created to play. So in verse 11, this is, where I would get, this is how it starts. Paul writes this, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. And I wanted to stop right there. Um, you know, those, those five roles, those five titles. And what's significant about these is, is that these are all titles that, that Jesus had. You go through and you read the scriptures and you realize at some point, Jesus was called all of these, the apostle, he was called the prophet, he was called the evangelist, he was the one who was a shepherd, he was the one who was a teacher, that all of these are characteristics, are, are hats, if you will, that Jesus himself wore. And what I love is, is that I really believe that Jesus gives to every single man or woman who becomes a follower of Jesus, he gives one of these hats, one of these these pieces of him, this, these roles, these titles that he carries, that, that I believe that he puts one of these on every single person who follows Jesus. Now, I grew up reading this passage of scripture, and before you write me off as a heretic, you know, I, w- I would just kind of skip over this, this, uh, this verse. I mean, I would read, uh, in particular, I would skip over the, the first two titles where he talks about apostles and prophets. Because in my mind, apostles, what they were is, is that they were eyewitnesses to Jesus. You know, they were the, the people in the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that special anointing that Jesus invited into his special ministry that he gave special authority to. But I want you to notice in Ephesians chapter four, the, the apostle here is not an uppercase A, it's a lowercase A. 
Um, while I very much believe that there was something very important and significant about the 12 that Jesus called, I want us to also acknowledge that God, I think, is doing something different here. Same is true with prophets. You know, I have a very high, uh, a high view of the scriptures. I believe it's inspired, authoritative, that, that we don't get to just tell the scriptures what we want to do, that the scripture informs us how to live in order to be God's people. And, and so I believe that the prophets played a very important role. You see this in Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel. And in fact, so much of the Old Testament is written by people who were inspired, filled with the spirit of God, speaking words to the nations, calling them back to God. And I want you to notice that this is not the type of prophet. I'm not talking about that God has now put people in our midst that they get to add to scripture. No, that, that there was a, a uniqueness, a set-apartness of the, the prophets of old. And so I also want you to notice the, the P that's spoken of here in prophets is a lowercase p. See, I believe that, that God is doing something different here. I believe that, that God has still given apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers to the church today. You know, the, the Bible is abundantly clear and I love talking about this, that when any, whenever anyone becomes a follower of Jesus, um, man, the, the, the Jesus himself gives you gifts, which I think is beautiful. You know, my daughter gets baptized about a month ago and my whole family comes into town and they're all giving her gifts and, 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 and they're just excited, they're celebrating. The same is true when, when you give your life to Christ, that, that he gives you gifts. He blesses you with things to, to, to put on you, but it's not just for, for your benefit, it's the benefit of others. And so you can read about the spiritual gifts in Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Peter 4, if you're interested in that, or we can go get coffee and I'll talk to you more about it. I'm, I love this stuff. Here's what I wanted to point out this morning that I, I want to just really quickly talk through these five different titles because I believe that each of us carries a different grace from Jesus. So when we talk about apostle, I'm not talking about someone who had an eyewitness to, to Jesus' life. When I'm talking about apostle, I'm talking about someone who, who, who understands their sentness. That there are some of you today that, man, that, that, that you, you, you understand that, that the call of, of the gospel is to the ends of the earth and that you feel this inside of you, this willingness to leave everything that is known to go into the unknown because of the gospel. You know, apostles are, are people who are known to be pioneers. And so think outside of church world for a minute. Those of you who, who love to innovate, those of you who are entrepreneurs, those of you who, who are always coming up with new ideas, who love taking new ground, who get really bored doing the same thing over and over and over again, you want a new challenge, a new obstacle. This is what an apostle is, a prophet. A prophet is someone who, is, who, who looks at the church and who asks questions. Um, a person who doesn't just take things at face value, a, a person whose, whose heart is to reform, that the church would actually be what, what Christ desires for the church to be. A prophet is usually the first to notice, to feel, to be bothered when something is wrong in the world. A prophet is often someone who notices when something's wrong in you. An evangelist. Man, the evangelists are the, are the people who have lots of favor and lots of friends with people who don't know Jesus. They're great storytellers. They love to invite. They love to gather. They're the people that throw the best parties, man. They're the ones that, that have the ability to get a crowd of people together. This is an evangelist, a shepherd. A shepherd, just like with a shepherd of a sheep, man, provides and protects. Man, a shepherd 
man, knows people really deeply and cares for them, is in tune to their needs and their heart. The shepherd often walks into the room and he notices things that are off. People that are lonely when there's tension going on. A teacher, someone who, whose desire is to explain the truth and to train people what to do with it. That a teacher loves to expand thinking. It loves to take concepts and to, to make them more robust and to make them deeper and richer. That, that the whole purpose of a teacher is, is to train others so that they can be different, so that they can go out. Now, I know I didn't do just like an Enneagram description. Like I didn't do it justice. But, but I do wanna just do a little experiment real quick. And so play along with me, if you will. If you don't, then this is not gonna go well, okay? So we need you to participate. By we, I, know, I mean me. Um, but I just wanna, just gonna ask you, like I'm just gonna go through this and say, hey, if, you, if I gave you that little amazing definition, if, if that connected with you, just raise your hand. And I just want us to, just to, to notice. And so, you know, if you're confused, obviously just, you know, you don't have to answer, but, um, but I'd love to just kind of take a quick poll. So if, if, if you believe that maybe God's wired you as an apostle, we just raise your hand. Lee, raise it high, raise it high so we can see it. Brian, raise it high. Okay. Thank you. What about an evangelist? If you think you're an evangelist, raise your hand. Okay. What about a prophet? Raise your hand. Raise them high. Everyone's like, Timid, like, I'm raising my hand. Can you see? What about shepherd? You think you're a shepherd? Raise your hand. What about a teacher? Raise your hand. Very cool, very cool. And so here's what I want us to understand. You look around the room, and we're all different. And I want to say this because you need to understand it, that, that, if, that, that you are a gift from God. That you've been given gifts, but you need to understand that you are a gift. That, that the way you see things, the way that you understand things, the way that you view the world is beautiful. Guys, when, when, when you show up, we are strong. Like when you show up, the body of Christ is diverse and beautiful. And the fullness of Jesus' life and ministry is on display. You know, this is why, I don't know if any of you guys were in the band growing up. Like, the, the, the thing that's so cool about a band is that you have all these different instruments. It's not just the strings, and it's not just the, the, the brass, it's, it's not just the drums, it's, it's all these things coming together. It's the diversity that makes such a beautiful sound. Guys, I have a, a, a very high, and I hope we have a high biblical view of what Jesus is expressing here that the body is stronger, the body is complete, but only when you're actively a part of it. Do you see this? Like, it, what if I were to raise your hands and, and all of those of you who are apostles, you don't show up, you're not here? Man, it means that we never think about the neighborhood behind us. It means we never think about the people that are in this room. For, for when, the, when, the, when the prophets don't show up, it means that, that we can just kind of get in the routine of doing things and we don't stop to go, man, are, are things off in our culture? Are things off in our church that we need to adjust? Man, when the evangelists don't show up, man, we lose our heart for the lost. We become so in, inward focused. When our shepherds don't show up, people are hungry. They're, they, they're going through life. They don't feel like anybody cares. When the teachers don't show up, we're not grounded in truth. There's something about you showing up that re reveals the beauty and the fullness of Jesus. You, hear me, you bring something unique of Jesus to the table. 
And when you don't show up, the body misses out. That when you show up, the, the fullness of Jesus' life is seen in his heart, in his ministry. He's able to minister through us. You have a part to play. And I want us to understand that the purpose of community, because this is super important. You know, we do house churches not just because it's a program that, that you're supposed to do when you're a church. Look at verse 12 with me. Take a drink of water. So he gives us all these. He gives us these gifts. Why? To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become, listen to this, become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. And I love this. Man, we, we see God's design and God's desire in giving us these gifts. He says it right in the end of verse 13, that we would become mature, that, that we would look like Jesus in every respect. Guys, when you, when you read about Jesus in the, in the scriptures, when you really get to know Jesus, man, you're, you're drawn to him. You're drawn to his patience. Man, you, you look in Jesus' life and you realize that he was never in a hurry that he didn't overlook people, that people weren't a burden to him, that, that Jesus, though he had plans and, and things to, to do, that people were never a hindrance to him, that no matter how important or how unimportant you were, he made you feel like you were important. He was faithful. He was joyful. He knew who he was in the Father's eyes. He helped people over and over again. This man laid down his life, not just for his friends, but for his enemies. He's truly the best person that has ever lived, will ever live. And what God is saying is that my desire is that you go through this life and, and it's not that you're just a nice person and it's not that you're just someone who goes to church. My desire is that you mature into the fullness of Jesus. I go, do any of you guys want that? Like, do you actually want that? Do you look at Jesus' life and go, you know what? I want that life to flow through my life. I want to be patient with people and I don't want to be in a hurry and I want to help people out and I want the, to know who I am in my Father's eyes. I want to live just like Jesus did. And here's the, the thing that, that has been surfacing in my heart, that if you're a follower of Jesus, this is, the, this is a purpose of our life. This is a thing that we want the thing that we're after. He didn't just save us so we could be nice people. He saved us so we could become like him. And I want us to hear this though, because this is what Paul's getting at in Ephesians 4, that you and I, we cannot mature and become what Jesus desires on our own. We can't do it by ourselves. And the American spirit is a pioneer, individualistic. It's all about you. You can do it. Set your mind to it. And it's so contrary to the gospel because what Jesus does is he makes us spiritually deficient so that we have to lean on other believers. Do you understand that? You know, that there's something about community that, that matures us. 
There's something about just being around other people who are filled with the spirit of the living God that helps us grow up, that helps us gain wisdom, that helps us change and become the man or the woman that we always wanted to be in Christ. So how do we mature? Man, it it comes from from learning from others, not just on a podcast. (laughs) Man, doing life with people, watching them, listening to them talk. You know, when I first moved to Nashville in 2005, I grew up in a small town, Kentucky, and, and I, I started hanging out with this guy's name's Bill Prady. He's just, a, he's an elder at a church, a different church here in Nashville, but he made, he poured so much into ethos when we were first getting going and he poured so much into me and I love spending time with Bill. You know what Bill taught me? How to really love and lay down your life for your wife. That that guy was crazy about his wife. And the way that he talked about her behind her back was so honoring. It was so beautiful. And and, and, in my life, I I started to mature just simply by being around this guy. Hearing him talk, hearing the things that he cared about. Man, it's it's the reason I love being around uh, godly men who are, are, are dads. Guys that have kids that are older than me and dads that have kids that are younger than me. And it's not just dads, it's moms too. Man, you, you, you learn, you mature, you grow up. And so much of, of my walk with God, yeah, absolutely. It's come from, from being alone with God in the scriptures and the, being in the private places of prayer. I love being with God in those places. But do you know where so much of the maturity happens? It happens in the context of, of life-on-life community with other people. Maturity comes from, from watching others. Maturity comes from, from receiving words from others. You ever realized how just an encouraging word just goes such a long way? Like when someone looks at you and it's like, Brandon, dude, you're doing a great job leading worship. Like, I know you've never led worship like this in a church setting before, but you are just absolutely crushing it. Like in all seriousness, you are. But have you ever just realized a moment where I go, man, Austin, like both Austins, you guys are killing it. I've got two Austins lined up right here. As dads, as husbands, James, I see you just showing up week after week. Man, there's a hunger for God in your life. Have you ever realized how in encouraging words when someone just goes, man, I see you? And where do those things come from? They come from the mouths of other people. Man, they, they, that, 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 that it, all this, man, it comes from people, but not just encouraging words. Have you ever had someone that, that looked, and we'll talk about this in just a minute. I'll get here in just a minute. Let's keep going. I gotta get through this. But community, man, it, it matures us. It, 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 it rubs off on us. We learn from observation. We learn from words, man. Community helps us avoid mistakes, helps us avoid sin, but community also gives us the forgiveness and the grace that we need when we mess up. See, guys, God made us to be people that really come alive when we contribute. You know, Jesus said this, it's, it's better to give than to receive. Man, that to give of ourselves for the sake of others. And I go, man, part of house churches is just creating space for you to do what God made you to do. To put you in a place to, to learn from others 
And to be an evangelist or to be a prophet, to share your life, to share your heart, to share your faults, to share your shortcomings, to, to receive grace, to receive encouragement, to receive comfort. Have you ever noticed, man, being a part of a community where you're not just giving, but you're receiving? You just want more of that. But how do we do this? This is where we'll end today. Verses 15 and 16. He says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And so two just really quick things. You know, Andrew's gonna get up at the end today and he's gonna invite you to sign up for a house church. But I wanna just kind of encourage you, man, that, that let this be the posture as you step into house church this year. Man, that you would be a person who speaks the truth in love. Can't overemphasize this. Part of this is, is something that, that, that you do um, on yourself and you're gonna be responsible for to, to speak the truth, that there's something about showing up and just being honest, just being vulnerable, just being authentic, just, just telling it how it is, that, that if you do that, God will work through it. But it's not just you speaking the truth, it's speaking the truth in love to other people. And you think about this, have, have you ever had a moment where, where you spoke the truth to someone, but you didn't do it in love? Does that ever, like David, when you do that to Katie, does it ever turn out well? <laughs> Kelly, does that ever turn out well when, when you do that to Brian? You know, Raymond, does that ever happen at work when you speak the truth, but you don't do it in love? Like that, that when we speak the truth, but we don't do it in love, man, we come off as abrasive and rude and unthoughtful and cold. And you don't really want to listen to someone who speaks the truth, but, but there's no love in their hearts. And the same is true, man, if, 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 if you're just after this love, but you're not after truth, man, if, if you're not ever willing to say the hard thing to someone because you're worried you're gonna offend them or hurt their feelings, you don't actually love them. And Paul's invitation is that we would speak the truth, man, that we would encourage each other, that we would, when, 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 when we see things off in people's lives, that we would go, man, how would I want them to say that to me? We speak the truth in love. And then finally, Paul ends with this, that, that each one of us does its work. You know, we will never, let me rephrase this. There's so much potential in this body. Man, should we choose to lean all the way in? Man, should we go, man, it's not someone else's responsibility to take care of the people in this room and to, to, to think about the people in this room that don't know Jesus. It's not someone else's responsibility, it's mine. And so often what happens is that, is that we go, oh man, you know, Andrew's taking care of that or Keila's taking care of that or Rachel's taking care of that. So I don't have to. Cassie's taking care of that. I don't have to do that. Ryan's taking care of that. And what we do is, is that we give our, ourselves an excuse out and I go, man, we are meant to play a part. Each one of us is called to do his work. God has uniquely made you. And it's amazing to think that the body of Christ will be built up. It'll both become more like Jesus and, and it'll go far reaching, that we will actually reach people who don't know Jesus. That people's eternities will be changed, like literally the trajectory of their life will be changed because of you willing to lean all the way in with your life. It's the simple, just honestly, the most ordinary, just showing up, just saying yes. And the enemy will do everything he can. Man, he, he convinces us. 
Man, I can't, I can't show up to a group. No one, like I've done this before and, and I'm kind of awkward and no one really brings me in. And the enemy does that. Man, the enemy convinces you that you've done too much, that you can't come into a group. The enemy. The enemy convinces you that you're too busy, that, that man, you don't need to rearrange plans. The enemy convinces you that, that your kids are too much right now, that it's just easier to set this one out. And he will do every, he'll play every card he has to keep you not just out of community, but when you get there to not really open up your heart. And my invitation to you today, man, I wanna be a part of a church like this. I wanna be a part of a church that when Jesus looks at, he goes, that's a mature body. That's a body that looks like me. That even though everyone else in, in culture is doing their own thing, that, that this church set their face like flint to knowing me and to loving each other and to reaching this city. And I go, I want to be a part of a church like that. That stands before Jesus and we're standing before him and we're going, you know what? We took it really serious. We really leaned into the scripture that you uniquely gifted me and I'm gonna give my whole life to blessing the body and to reaching the lost. So here's what we're gonna do. You know, very practically, every Sunday we take communion and we do this for a couple reasons. We do it because Jesus tells us to. He says, hey, when, when, when you gather, he says, when you, when you eat the bread, when you drink the cup, remember me. So we're gonna, we're gonna do that. We, we do that to actively remember Jesus. But we also do it because we need it. And we need to be reminded that the body was broken, the blood was shed for us, that we are forgiven, that we are made right with God because of Jesus' broken body. Not because we're trying hard or because we decided that we're gonna lean in. No, we are right with God forever, justified because of Jesus. We're clean, we're forgiven, we're healed. And so right now, we're gonna take communion. And what I wanna do, encourage you to do is to gather up with the people that you're sitting with. And if you don't feel comfortable doing that because of COVID or whatever reason, that's totally cool. You can pray by yourself. But I want you just to, as you're taking the bread and drinking the cup, just to, to ask the group, hey, what's something going on in your life that I can pray for? And we're just gonna practice being people who speak truth, being practice caring for one another. And so for the next few minutes, gather up with the people around you, take the bread, take the cup, pray into this prayer, what's something going on in your life you need prayers for? And then in a few minutes, Brandon's gonna get back up and he's gonna lead us in worship and, uh, and we'll be done for today. And so... Um, yeah, I invite you right now. Circle your chairs up with people you came with. What's something going on in your life that you need prayer for? And then pray for each other. Really pray for each other. All right, let's do it right now. Get in groups. Let's pray.